Sola gratia, grace alone. Sola fide, faith alone. Sola scriptura, scripture alone. Solus Christus, Christ alone. And all to the glory of God alone. The five solas, next, join us. Hi there, and welcome to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Over the last few weeks, we have been focusing on those five pillars of the church, grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone, Christ alone, all to the glory of God alone. And this week and next, we will close out our series on the five solas as we focus in on soli deo gloria. Won't you join us? All to the glory of God and to God alone. Here's Pastor Steve Converse with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. I want to go through some scriptures in the Old Testament. They're listed there in your outline. The first is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 10, 24. And these are just a, a purview of some of the ones in the Old Testament. It says, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Declare his glory among the nations. Or Psalm 29, verses 1 to 3 and 9. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. And in his temple, all cry, what? Glory. Or Isaiah chapter 6. We know this well. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And the one called to another, and they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is what? Full of his glory. Or Isaiah chapter 24, verses 14 to 16. says, They lifted up their voices. They sing for joy over the majesty of the Lord. They shout from the west, therefore, in the in the, therefore, in the east, give glory to the Lord. In the coastlands of the sea, give glory to the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. From the ends of the earth, we hear songs of praise of glory to the righteous one. Isaiah 43, verses 6 and 7. I say, I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created, look at this, for my glory, whom I formed and made. Or Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. These are just a small portion, beloved, of scriptures that speak about the glory of God. We exist, all the world exists, to behold, to experience, to magnify, to proclaim, 
and to live for and give glory to God and God alone. It is for his glory, God's glory, that he created the world and all that exists. It's for his glory that God planned and executed the plan of redemption. It's to the cause of God's glory that he is moving all history into the future climax of Christ's ultimate return and establishing a new heaven and a new earth. And his own glory is his only aim. We don't only see that in the Old Testament. We also see it in the New Testament. In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest and on, on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Or Matthew five sixteen. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to you, no, to your Father who is in heaven. Or 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Ephesians 1.12, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might to the praise, might be to the praise of his glory. Revelation 4.11, worthy are you, O Lord and God. What's it say? To receive glory. And then when Christ comes into the picture in John chapter 1 verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen what? His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father full of grace and truth. Or John chapter 11 verse 4. But when Jesus heard it, he said the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. So that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Do you ever stop and think about maybe the illness that you have is for the glory of God? Tough thing to ponder. But trust me, I've talked to many people over the years who've gotten horrible diseases. Not just cancer, other things. And yet God spared their life. And when they look back on their life, they say, you know what, I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing. Because somehow God took that horrible part of my life and he turned it around for his glory. That kind of changes your outlook on things. When we're going through trials and tribulations. John 8, 34 says, Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me. That's an interesting passage of scripture when you have time to look at that. See, Jesus wasn't some glory hound down here, just, oh, everybody's going to give me glory, even though he was God. His desire was to do what? The will of the Father, to glorify the Father. We need to be careful of that. Sometimes we misplace glory. Sometimes we get feeling a little too good about ourselves, even in Christ. And we forget that the only reason that we're in Christ is for his glory, not our own. Except by the grace of God, right? There go I. We need to remember that when we're out there witnessing to a lost and dying world who desperately needs to hear not only about the glory of God, but the grace and the forgiveness that is found in Christ Jesus. 
Matthew 25, 31, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. What a wonderful day that will be. Or Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Christ. It's Christ who holds this universe together. And one day, beloved, the, the, the word of God says that one day he will let go. And when he does, literally all hell is going to break loose. Or 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. To Christ be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Revelation 5.13, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessed and honor and glory and might forever and ever. See, the glory of God is the glory of Christ. For Jesus Christ is God. God the Father is glorified through the Son and the Son is also glorified by the Father. We can't separate those two. And all created life exists for their glory. See, this is this last sola, soli dio gloria. For God's glory alone. The portion of scripture we started off reading in Romans 11.36 is probably one of the, the most famous doxologies in all of scripture. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Well, I want to ask you a couple questions to kind of break this down. It's great to talk about the glory of God. But the first question is, what is the glory of God? What is it? We throw that word around. The glory of God is none other than the holiness of God put on display. It's the holiness of God put on display. It's the infinite worth of God made manifest, you might say. Isaiah in chapter 6, he shifts from holy to to glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of what? His holiness? No, he says his glory. They're interchangeable terms. When the holiness of God fills the earth for people to see, it's called glory. What does that word mean, holy, then? If if glory means it's the holiness of God put on display, well, what does that mean when we say the holiness of God? It simply means this. It means separated from the common. The holiness of God... Is his infinite separation from everything else. It's what makes him infinite. What makes him one of a kind. Like the the rarest, most precious, perfect diamond in the world. And there's no other like it. God's uniqueness as the only God... His godness, you might say, makes him infinitely valuable, makes him infinitely holy. John Piper says it this way, God's glory is the beauty and greatness of his manifold perfections. God's glory is the beauty and greatness of his manifold perfections. Perfections. 
he goes on, he says, I say manifold perfections because specific aspects of God's being are said to have glory. For example, we read the glory of his grace or the glory of his might. God himself is glorious because he is the perfect unity of all his manifold and glorious perfection. So the glory of God is how we designate that infinite beauty, that infinite greatness to the person of God. Well, who is to be glorified? Who is to be glorified? The answer is simply the sovereign God of the universe. See, from our perspective as human beings, we always start with man. Paul was a little different. Paul always started with God, and he always ended with God. And he kind of sandwiched man in between somehow. And when you look at the letter of the Romans that we're going through, it's very clearly outlined. As a matter of fact, one commentator, Donald Gray Barnhouse, he published 10 volumes on Romans. And of the, the 10, he reflected on Paul's focus in those 10 volumes. Volume one was titled, Man's Ruin. That's the only one that has man mentioned in the title of the volume. The other ones are God's wrath, God's remedy, God's river, God's grace, God's freedom, God's heirs, God's covenants, God's discipline, and God's glory. And we have to be willing to say with Paul, to God be glory forever, amen. See, even though we think highly of ourselves at times, this is not about us. I mean, do you understand when God saved you, it wasn't about you being in heaven one day? That's what we think. That's the outcome. It's a wonderful, glorious outcome. We, we desire that. But don't think for one second, that's why God saved you. He saved you for his glory. For his glory. Not your glory. Not so you can prance into heaven one day and say, hey, look at me, I'm here. It's funny when people have different concepts of heaven. You know, you hear Christians talking, oh man, first thing I'm going to do when I get to heaven, I'm going to go up to, you know, the Apostle Paul or I'm going to talk to this. No, you're not. No, you're not. Do you understand what it means to be in heaven? You are going to be in the presence of a perfect, holy, glorious God and creator. I don't even think we'll be able to catch our breath for the first 10 million years. Let alone say anything other than, whoa, holy is you. And on our faces, worshiping him. We're not going to be, hey, how'd you get here, George? Oh, good to see you. We're going to be focused on God and God alone. Why? Because he didn't save us to have a party in heaven one day. He saved us for what? His glory. We need to be reminded of this. We need to get back to the idea that we need to have a high view of the God that saved us. Not a low view. Not a view that says, oh yeah, you know, Jesus is my best buddy. You know, yeah, he saved me. Or the man upstairs. That's not a high view of God. You know, we don't need to come here on a Sunday morning and play games with each other. 
We don't need to come here to be entertained. We don't need to come here to put on some show. This is not about us. It's about who? It's about God. So we need to stop and we need to ask ourselves, when we come here and we are worshiping God, what are we doing? Are we giving him glory? Are we praising God? Or are we drawing attention to ourselves somehow? We need to think about these things. Because they touch the very heart of God. Who is being glorified? Just ask yourself that question the next time you utter a word. Or you raise a hand. Or you do anything. Is this going to glorify God or is this going to glorify me? I mean, there's nothing wrong with being alive and not dead while you're sitting out there. But at the same time, let's just be aware of that and say, hey, who is this glorifying? Thirdly, why should God be glorified? Pretty practical question, right? Why does he get all the glory? Well, the answer is given to us there in Romans, all right? It says, from him and through him and to him are all things. Speaking to what? Of salvation especially. Why is man saved? It's not because of anything men or women did by themselves, but they're saved, as we've learned over the past several weeks, by God's grace through faith in the object of Christ, in his work. It's because God elected us to salvation. That God has predestined his elect people to salvation from before the foundation of the world. So the last time I checked, I mean, some of you are older and up in age, but you haven't been there since the foundation of the world. You weren't there when God chose you. You played no part in it. It's like when you show up to a meeting late and you walk in and they say, yeah, you know, you're the one that's doing the presentation. <laughs> well, how, why is that? Well, we all voted <laughs> and you weren't here to vote. So, you know, we, we, have, we play no part in it. Well, how are we saved then? The answer is by the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the very son of God. Do you understand? We could not save ourselves. But God saved us through that vicarious, atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what about, what's, what's, how, do we, how do we come to faith in Christ? Isn't that what we do? Isn't that, we, we make that decision? No, the answer is very clear in the word of God. It says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the effectual calling of God upon your heart and upon your soul. In other words, God quickens you to a new life. He transforms you. You might ask yourself, well, how then are we going to become holy? You have to understand the basic level here that holiness is not something that originates in us. It doesn't originate in us. It can't. It isn't achieved by us. It isn't something we worked for or something that we sustain in our lives by doing the right things. How are we made holy? We're made holy by God joining us to Christ. So that we have become different persons than what we were before. That's why we're called new in Christ. We have a new life in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He transformed us. He changed us. We have died to sin. And we've been made alive, the Bible says, to righteousness. 
a righteousness that is imputed to our account. Do you understand in your Christian life there is no other direction for you to go than forward? He is the strength of our life. He is the one that allows this to happen. Where are we headed to? The answer simply is heaven. How do we know that? Because the Bible says that Jesus is preparing a place for us. Well, how can we be sure we're going to get there one day? It's because God, who began the work of our salvation, the Bible says, will continue it until it's done. God never begins a work, beloved, and just kind of leaves it half done. Can you imagine if he did that with creation? You know, it's Wednesday. I, I'm humped down. I've got to just take that off. Or, you know, I'm, I'm not going to finish this deal. It wouldn't be a good situation here on earth. He sees things through. God never begins a work that he does not eventually bring to a complete conclusion. See, it's to him be the glory forevermore. Isaiah 42, 8 says, So let us give God the glory, remembering that God himself says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or praise to idols. Isaiah 48, 11 says, for my own sake, for my own sake, I can do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. Those are very bold and deep statements that God is making about his glory. So when you come to a place like Romans chapter 11, you see how salvation is leading into this doxology that we read this morning. After establishing the the simple principle that election is by grace with works excluded from consideration at all in Romans chapter 11 verses 5 and 6, he goes on to draw the unexpected conclusion that God consigned both the Jew and the Gentile to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. And the ultimate conclusion of that is a glorious one. It's one that says, you know what? We don't understand what you're doing, God. Your wisdom's unsearchable. Your ways are inscrutable. We can't even argue with this. And that's where he leads to in verse 36. From him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And that's the point in which the rich depths of, of Paul's salvation leads And it also begins the next verse. If you look at the next verse in verse 1, chapter 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the, what, mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, what, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable or spiritual worship. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. 
Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. GracefulTruth.org is where to go. And while you're at our website, don't forget to download our mobile app, new and improved and ready to use, whether you're securely donating online or taking advantage of the podcasts on your mobile phone, simply go to iTunes or Google Play and look for Grace Bible Church Redwood City-CA. Or stop by our website, gracefultruth.org, and follow the prompts. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.